one of the family. Welcome to the award-winning podcast, One of the Family. Thank you for listening. It's a special one, this episode. We're talking puppies and also old dogs. Their wisdom and serenity and wonderful presence. That's later. First off, though, my radio partner, Rachel Burden. One of the family. Has just got herself a puppy. So I thought, let's get one of the most famous dog trainers in the world on the podcast. A man who's written Easy Peasy Puppy Squeezy, his new book, his step-by-step guide to raising and training a puppy. And Rachel can ask him everything she wants to know. Seriously? Within a reasonable time frame. Fair enough. I give you the amazing Steve Mann. Dogs have the subtlety and the nuance of ninjas when it comes to body language. And yeah. us big Luddites are going in going, bah! Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> That's rhubarb, man. But the thing is, as owners, as humans, we go, ah, oh, oh. all right, that's quite empowering. Yeah. All right, that's cool. Yeah. The, 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 the dog needs to, needs to respect me, so I need to be a more dominant. It's, it's no. nonsense. It, bollocks. That, that, yeah. It's pure bollocks. I didn't know where I could say that, but it's pure bollocks. Yeah. And it's a dog's bollocks. It, signs, it shines a light on our insecurities if we're trying to dominate and, and if, if training ever feels like you versus the, I'm going into one already, sorry. Go, but go into if, one. If, if training ever feels like it's you versus the dog, mm. something's wrong. Get on board the puppy train. Rachel, why did you get a puppy? Why did we get a puppy? So I grew up with dogs in our family. Um, and then for a period of time, we had children, as you know, many children. And it seemed like we certainly didn't <laughs> The have next to... best thing. Yeah. Yeah, cool. <laughs> um, we didn't have time for a, a dog in our lives. And then our youngest child went to, started school. And we, I thought, not my husband, I thought now... Well, there was the dangerous moment where, a bit like when our third child went to school, I turned to Luke and said, um, it's too quiet in the house. Let's have another child. So that wasn't going to happen this time. I was way too old. So then I was like, it's way too quiet in the house. Now's the time to get a dog because my working hours are great. I'm home in the day. Um, I really want one. I really wanted to, that responsibility of having to get out every day. I wanted it for me. I wanted it for the family so they could grow up with the joy of knowing and having a dog. Um, so it felt like the right time. And in the end, because Luke was very resistant, um, we just ganged up on him and ignored him. That's a beautiful thing. Everyone's in love. And I feel like we've been through the sort of docile honeymoon sleepy puppy period. And now we're at the stage where she's like, yeah, I'm not going to do this just because you do that. And she's quite, um, uh, her behaviours are a bit more challenging at certain times of the day. And I'm slightly at a loss as to how best to manage it. But we've got the added challenge of six people in the house. It's very noisy. It's very chaotic. And I think probably she's getting a million mixed messages from all of us about what to do and when. So I don't know if you just have tips for a noisy household, fundamentally. <laughs> so 
oh, no, noisy households are cool, you know. That's, you've got puppies, you've got kids, it's vibrant. That's, that, you know, that's amazing. That's what households should be like. Um, it, it used to be drummed in that, you know, we want everyone to be as consistent as possible. And, and, and from a pure animal learning, animal behavior sense, of course, you know, consistency is going to get us, it's going to be the most efficient way to, to, to reach a goal. But, but life goes on. Sometimes people stress so much with each other because each other in the house aren't being consistent that the joy, as you've just said, the joy and the purpose and the love that you have for a dog kind of goes out the window because everyone turned into little laboratory assistants trying to train a rat in a perspex box. And that's just not life. So take that weight off your shoulders. As, as much consistency as you can manage is cool, but we're all going to stand different. We're all going to hold our body different. We are, we're naturally going to give cues, commands to the dog different. So we don't want to get too hung up about it. Your, your pup will have spurts of, of energy and, and, and highs and lows because, you see, um, what is he? Is he a little golden? I've got well, hey, I'll, I'll introduce you now. Yeah. Um, the, the slightly pretentious name they have for her is an golden Irish. A golden um, Irish. Yeah, but she's one of my favourite drinks. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh-huh. Or a strange sexual act, as my brother put it. <laughs> but anyway, um, so she's a cross between a golden retriever and uh, a, a kind of working retriever and yeah. uh, an Irish setter. And a setter. Um, yeah. So, uh, look, fundamentally, the biggest challenge we have at the moment, she's so brilliant. And mm. again, as I say, it's not. I don't think the problem is her. Certainly the problem is us and, you know, the environment that we've created for her and the mixed messages we're giving her. But she has these two mad, mad periods, one in the morning and one in the evening, where she's very jumpy and bitey, bitey, bitey with everyone. And I know I'm doing the wrong thing by putting my fingers in her mouth right now. Um, So it's just how to deal with that. And I know fundamentally one of the most important principles you have is don't tell them not to do something, tell them, to do something yeah. but when I'm cooking the tea yeah. and I've got kids rowing behind me and I've got you know some child needs homework or another child needs help with that or someone else is going out I don't know for that two hour period where she's jumpy jumpy bitey bitey what I'm supposed to be telling her to do all the time because what I okay. want to do is pot around and yeah. just not do too much yeah 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 absolutely so um You've got what you've asked for. So you've got a, a working breed. You've got this coil spring where everything's exciting and everything's stimulating. And, you know, she's not going to be going out for a full um, walks. And so she's not getting to burn her physical and, and mental energy, even though that software is now getting nearer the surface. So she's going to have these little spurts, these puppy zoomies, as they're called. Um, the fact that, you know, you've, you've got a gun dog crossed with a gun dog, I a dog that's been bred to have to feel good about having something in its gob. The world is okay. You know, I used to have a, a little rescue black lab called Bella. And if if I if I just gave her something to hold, it was like her bones would go into jelly. The, the world was a safe place. So every, every sinew in your dog's body is when the arousal is there. So when the kids are playing or when the food is cooking, all things that are going to arouse a dog, the dog's breed specific urges are going to come to the surface and that's going to be grabbing, biting, holding for a gun dog. Of course it is. That's, that's in the wiring. So if you know it's predictable round about 6 PM and let's say midday or whatever the schedule is, you can preempt that. So you're obviously going to be feeding May several times throughout the day. So what you can do, if the zoomies come at 6 PM, yeah. then maybe at 5 45, 
you can put her meal in a stuff it into a Kong or stuff it into an activity toy. Yeah. Give that to her in her den or give that into her in her in her secure, safe little place and let her come down and chew and get the chewing will release the nice chemicals in her brain to help her come down, that more sort of resting, digesting as opposed to fighting and flighting side of things. Um, so you can preempt it. So would you put the whole meal inside her con? Yeah, but yeah, but what you could say is, let's say her daily food allowance, once you look at it measured out in one go, maybe that's eight toys full of food. You can use those eight toys or six toys or six toys or or four, whatever. Use those strategically throughout the day that when you know she's going to hit her peak, when she's going to hit that apex, before then. So you're managing the situation. She's learning to do something else when mum's cooking dinner. She's learning to chew and chill out when mum's cooking dinner. So she's practicing rehearsing the stuff that you're going to want her to do later on. But also, when you've got kids in a house and you've got your young, a young dog like that, I think it's really good to do all the playing and all the energetic stuff and all the crazy stuff, which is the fun of, of your pup, but do that outside. Then into a little decompression tank, which is her den with her stuffed Kong, around about 5 36 o'clock so she can come down you can do the meal and then by the time you finish by the time she's finished everything's more more chilled and relaxed and you can just practice your chewing and chilling in front of the tv there's a question i must ask because i don't want to take this over completely but i won't forgive myself if i don't ask it that's cool i'm really concerned about this over exercising thing because certainly one thing that helps is I can take her to the nearby field at around about that time and throw things for her to go and fetch and she loves that and comes back and she does seem calmer but I'm worried about this Mm. she could only exercise for 15 minutes a day otherwise she'll never be able to walk and she's two years old (laughs) yeah yeah so um we need to be considerate because she is growing and and her bones are going to be softer than when she hits full maturity Go out for long duration. Don't run her into the ground with retrieves. But you know what? You're a young puppy going and spending a little bit of time at a train station, going to Tesco's car park, seeing revolving doors, trolleys, all of that will put her on a much more even keel. When she gets home, she'll be downloading all of that information. So don't think, of, don't think so much about exercise at the moment at her age. Think about mm. it as exposure. Give her as much exposure as possible to as many different things because that will help her... Um, generalise to other environments and be nice and, and solid and confident and stable and optimistic as she gets older. So a few little retrieves, but do those in the garden. Keep them short distance and use them constructive. So you're teaching her to let go. It's going to be handy when she's hanging off your trouser legs when you're trying to cook dinner. So, so do formal retrieves, not just winding her up into a frenzy. Problem is my five-year-old son, you know, who rolls around with her like another puppy. Um, but then stands up and wants to move away and she's like whoa like this on him so what is my best response then is it down is it leave is it no in a firm voice or none of the above okay so of course five-year-olds gonna and and man if i could be a five-year-old again for 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 an hour to play with dogs that would be amazing so so it's wonderful we don't want to stop it but we there is one just because you want to stop it or your son wants to stop it, May's going to be wound up. You know, she's going to be, her cadence is going to be flying. So if when it finishes, that's cool. But take May or maybe into the kitchen, give her a chew herself and let her come down a little bit herself while Henry then goes and does what he needs to do or all the rest of it. You know, coming to a sudden stop is, yeah. is tough. 
imagine 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 the lights and the lights coming on and the music stopping at half past 10 in the nightclub people aren't going to accept that you know and it's the same with the puppy you can't have this amazing amazing fun and then all of a sudden it, you know it's it's going to go from 100 to a zero that that's unrealistic and you're setting yourself up for a fall because she's going to have to put that energy somewhere and that energy is going to go into unwanted behavior nipping and biting and saying come on let's play let's carry on unless you're going to redirect it into something that you do want more constructive yeah like your stuffed food toy or whatever that makes sense sorry nikki i don't want to take over because otherwise this will just turn into an, an hour's confession <laughs> My my little ones, my two West Highland Terriers, uh, Misty's about nine and Maze is about six, mother and daughter. They, they were turned over once by an Alsatian, right? And uh, they didn't like it. Every time they see an Alsatian on the common, they run towards the Alsatian and yap the hell out of it, right? What do I do? What do I do? Our starting point of your problem is your dogs have been conditioned to feel bad about the presence of a German Shepherd. Counter conditioning is we need to teach them to feel good about the presence of a German Shepherd. So I would, for example, well, I'd get you to stand here with Misty and you're stood in your safe place where you've been plenty of times before. Loads of good news has happened with Misty. So you always feel good. And then one of my colleagues would appear around the corner at 100 meters with a German Shepherd. And as soon as Misty sees the German Shepherds, you go, hot dog, hot dog, cheese, ham, da, da, da. German Shepherd disappears, the buffet stops. Oh, shit. German Shepherd appears, Misty goes, oh, cool. Buffet, boom, 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 boom. German Shepherd goes, food stops. So with enough repetition, we get two benefits. German Shepherd appears, Misty goes, ah, oh, happy days. The buffet is open. It's like when we hear an ice cream, I'm, I'm 50. When I hear an ice cream van, I still go, ah, I still have a positive emotional response. So that's what we're doing with Misty. So CC German Shepherd, she goes to a good place. So her tolerance of fuse is much, much longer than it was before. She, she, she's not going into the red. She's in a good place. But also CC's a German Shepherd. She has a positive emotional response. She says to herself, the buffet's open up at Nikki's. So therefore, she's going to look to you and say, Oi, Nikki, feed me. And now when she looks to you, you've got a mutually exclusive behaviour. She can't look at you and bark at the German Shepherd at the same time. So not only does she feel good emotionally about it, but, it's, but she's offering you a more appropriate behaviour. But the behaviour is lovely, and you get it as a byproduct. That's a freebie. But always the most important thing is how the dog feels. If, if the dog feels safe and happy and optimistic and cared for and trust you know in, knows that you've got her back the behavior is easy that's great i mean tina who walks them on dulwich common will love that and there's a dog there of course which is a german shepherd which is 14 years old no back legs prosthetic mm. back legs creaking everywhere you know, an old, old dog. And they go up and they bark in the poor thing's face when they see it. They took right up to it. Like, they're not, they're not scared. They're saying, come on, come on. Yeah, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, well, you've got, the, you know, you've got, you've got a, a traumatic experience. 
you've got safety in numbers and you've got bloody terriers. Of course they're going, <laughs> yeah, of course they're going, put them up. Because, put it, them because up. it works. It works for them. <laughs> that Pavlovian association, that emotional response is so potent and it's so often over. I know, I know it's like when Rachel smells toast. It's the same thing in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Any more questions? Yes, yeah. So Michelle, who's our colleague, and um, she 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 asked a question about her dog who's actually five years old and this is interesting to me because I know that other people have said you know they can start off really well and appear to learn stuff and get into great habits and then regress or or strange things happen they suddenly start doing um weird stuff so Michelle says that her dog has started constantly barking if Michelle stops in the street mid-walk she might be picking up the poo or having a chat with someone and uh he starts barking until they start moving again. Never, ever used to do it. Any ideas on that one? Yeah, one of two options, potentially. One, behaviour happens, and it continues to happen if it's got some sort of history of being reinforced. So there could be the potential that, you know, she, um, Michelle has stopped. She's having a chat. Dog's waiting, dog's waiting. Dog has a bit of a bark. Michelle goes, oh, I've got to go. I need to walk the dog. And then she's carrying, and the dog goes, ah, oh. Barking makes the monkey continue to walk, you know? So there is that, there, there is that potential, there could have been that initial seed. And then next time Michelle stops and, um, and starts chatting, she's meant to be walking the dog anyway, let's be honest. But next time Michelle stops and she starts chatting and the dog's waiting, twiddling his thumbs and bark. Well, no, it definitely worked last time. So it's definitely worth the effort. Bark, bark, bark. Oh, Michelle goes, I've got to go, dog's barking. So the dog's learned, oh, when I bark three times, monkey carries on the walk so so a, a, a more intensity of the behavior can inadvertently be reinforced and then we get to a point where what's called an extinction burst and this is for all behavior human behavior animal behavior where an extinction burst is michelle stops she starts chatting the dog goes bark 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 but michelle says no i'm not going to reinforce it i'm not going to carry on walking the dog goes bark 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 Michelle goes, no, I'm not going to reinforce it. If a behavior gets reinforced, it's going to happen again. If a behavior doesn't get reinforced, then it becomes extinct, i.e. the behavior stops. But in between, we get what's called an extinction burst, where the animal goes, but it always works. Barking always works. So the barking becomes much more intense. And if it gets much more intense, if Michelle then capitulates and goes, oh, I'm going to carry on walking, then the dog has learned really intense barking is the only thing that works. It's like a fruit machine mentality. That um, If people have been paid by fruit machine mentality a few times, and then all of a sudden that machine doesn't pay out, the user doesn't immediately go, oh, well, I'm not going to use that fruit machine anymore. I'm going to walk away. The user goes, no, another 50p. It's got to pay out soon. It's got to pay out soon. The behavior becomes more intense. And if and then it, when the behavior is more intense, think, 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 it does pay out. Then we've got an even more intense version of that behavior inadvertently being reinforced secondly is when a, when a behavior when there's a sudden onset of an unusual behavior so the dog's been fine and now at five years of age when michelle, michelle stops the dog starts barking we do what's called rule outs well what's new either something has changed in the environment or is there some sort of physical situation there and there may be a clue that there's pain maybe there's pain in the dog's hips so when michelle stops to talk to someone she asks her dog to sit Prolonged sitting causes pain for the dog. The dog barks and the walking carries on. 
So any sort of sudden onset of a behavior like that, I can certainly uh, would recommend a bit of a vet workup to make sure there's no discomfort there. Good news always is around treats and food basically isn't it and can can you massage grooming so tummy rubbing and all of that but can you over treat a dog i mean obviously you can but that's again what slightly worries me at the moment because in the evenings when may's kind of we're lying on the sofa and she's there biting and chewing on our feet um the, the only thing that really works is like a lick mat or um peanut butter in the kong but yeah. can you do too much of that will she turn into a right old lardy <laughs> so you can always you can overfeed a dog yeah um you can over treat a dog but you can't over reinforce a dog if if the dog is doing the behaviors you want back it up reinforce it if you want more of it in the future back it up um so yeah we need to be aware that that we're not putting in more calories than she's burning of course she's going to be doing a lot of growing and all the rest of it anyway but using food constructively throughout the day rather than a big bowl of food and then the dog hoovers that up in 10 seconds, you can use, a, you can take an allowance of that and use that as currency throughout the day to say, yeah, nice one, that one works, that behavior works, that behavior works. And you don't have to be reinforcing them forever, but you need to build up a history that that behavior works. And then, you know, we can start using other reinforcers. Crossing the road on the walk will be a reinforcer. Michelle carrying on her walk from her barking dog is a reinforcer. Throwing a tennis ball for May down the park is a open the front door is a reinforcer. Opening the car boot is a reinforcer. So there's all of these life rewards. It's not it's not all about cheese. Oh, but cheese um, works but, really well. Oh my god, <laughs> cheese works. And if something works, keep on using it um, because it, it has to be reinforced. And, and Nikki, there is a couple of lovely things you'll love about it. I know you've, you've looked through it, but um, first of all, how Steve got into dog training, which is lovely, which is just literally just by sort of encountering dogs when he was out and about on streets because he could never have one. It's such a lovely, sweet story that. But his final chapter, all about the dogs in Peru, if you haven't got to that yet, Nikki, is just a joy to read. And the rucksack walk. Have we got time to hear about the rucksack walk, Nikki? Yeah, and I can always do with a bit of Peru. <laughs> The Dogs of Peru and the Rucksack Walk by Steve Mann on One of the Family. One of my trips um, brought me out to Peru. But when I landed in Peru, I got in a taxi at the airport and as always uh, the driver asked me what I did. <laughs> I made the mistake of telling him, so he was telling me all about his dogs and he says when we get to Cusco, um, one of the principalities, he said when we, when we get to Cusco, he said you'll love it, he said because once we start heading towards the main centre, you'll see all the street dogs and they wait by the traffic lights before they go red and then they cross the road. I'm like, <laughs> okay mate, of course they do. <laughs> But sure enough, we got near a Cusco and you see them by the traffic lights and there'll be a dozen dogs patiently waiting while the lights are green, They're, you know, big, small and indifferent. The lights go red beep, 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 and the dogs cross the road like a cartoon. Amazing. And, and in all honesty, that, that I could talk for hours about natural selection and operant conditioning and behaviours that get reinforced just, just on dogs crossing the road there. But what happens in Peru is six o'clock in the morning, all the front doors open and all the dogs just come out and they just hang about with their doggy mates. And 
their owns, but they're street dogs essentially for those 12, 18 hours a day. And what they do is they hang out with their mates and, and as Nikki says, a lot of their time is spent just sniffing and mooching, but they're not running, they're not crazy. There's no barking, they don't chase pigeons because there's no rush. The trouble with us over in, in the UK and, and, and where we live is we've got stuff to do. You know, we, we put the lead on the dog, we kick the door down and we go bang and it's a hundred mile an hour and the dogs are trying to get that information just a hundred mile an hour. It's like they're on a kaleidoscope and they're just trying to gorge and they get more wound up from a walk than actually chilled out from a walk. Whereas these dogs in Peru are, there's no rush. So they have their little groups and, and I, I, I followed them for days with my video camera and just to see what dogs do because over here, I, when I'm talking to owners, I always want to, choice is a big word. Choice is very empowering for us and, and for dogs. And I always want to know, given the choice, what would dogs do? And it's really, even for me with my dogs, because I've got four walls and I've got stuff to do and, and I've got limited time. So even with my dogs and, and kind of my awareness of dogs, knowing exactly what they would choose to do throughout a day is really hard to find out. But these dogs in Peru, absolutely, they, they, go, I say they go out at six o'clock in the morning, come 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, they all go back to their front doors the doors open, they go in for their bed and breakfast and tomorrow they just rinse and repeat and, and they live a wonderful life. And I say this to some people over here and they're like, oh, the dogs have turned out onto the street. I'm like, this is the best. As long as these dogs can stay healthy, they've got the best. <laughs> We're all working so one day we can do what we exactly what we want to do. And what these dogs do, looking at the, in the pedestrian area of Cusco, that they, they sniff. So they're nosy, they're curious. They put their nose in people's bags um, they want to see what's going on there. They sit next to people. So there's maybe in the pedestrian area of Cusco, there's maybe about 200 people on a nice day and there's about 150 dogs just mooching about. Not a particular relationship, but they just like to sit next to the people. They like to be touched or to touch people. So they like to sniff, they like to touch. Of course, they like to have a little scavenge and find a bit of food if they can. Um, and they're curious, they're nosy. So I'm thinking this is what dogs would choose to do. When, when we go out with our dogs to the park, we go out armed with tennis balls and frisbees and ball trappy things. And of course dogs love to do it and chase and grab and bite, but it, it, it always comes in a big cocktail of adrenaline and, and cortisol and arousal. And a lot of problems that people have with their dogs is when they come back, the dogs are still these balls of adrenaline and cortisol and arousal. So I, I developed the rucksack walk as a way for us to be able to give dogs what they want, curiosity, sniffing, food, touch, but without that, without coming in a cocktail of adrenaline. So a rucksack walk is, is exactly that, you know, in your rucksack, you go, uh, you, you put a tupper, little Tupperware of food in there, you put a novelty item in there, you put a unique smell in there, and a thing, a thing can be anything, it can be a, a little notepad, but just something new, as far as the dog's concerned. Goes in a rucksack, you get to your area, you mooch to, the air, to your area, with the dog on a long line, maybe a five, 10 meter long line, and you compromise. If the dog wants to go left and right, you go left and right, that's, that's absolutely fine. The only time you stop as you're heading to your area is if the dog runs, or if you get to the end of the long line. 
And while you're mooching to your area, if the dog happens to look up at you, you say good, and then you just throw a treat out the other side and let the dog bypass you and go and get a treat out the other side. A lot of the time when we try and use food down the park, it's an either or. The dog gets to investigate the environment or gets the food. So there's a little bit of a conflict because dogs need to bed in. They need to find out the area that they're in when they go walking. So by throwing the food out to the side, the dog goes and gets the food. You're reinforcing the dog checking in with you, but they also get to bed in and become comfortable and familiar with the environment. As they sit down on the grass with the dog and very curiously, very quietly, you open up the rucksack and it's all very, oh, what's this mate? What have I got? Oh, have a little look, hey? <laughs> and everyone's dog looks up, I know. They, <laughs> they always do. Everything that comes out of this rucksack, it's like a baby bird. There's not a dog in the world that won't go, Seriously, Steve, what is it, mate? So the Tupperware box with the novelty smell, and I, and I get people to make a real ceremony, so they unzip it and, oh, what's this, mate, look, look, oh, what's this? And then just open up the lid and just let their dog put their nose in and then just take it away again. Now they can spend five minutes introducing the smell to a dog and then that goes back in the bag. Then they bring out the novelty thing, let's say it's the notepad, and they pull it out and they're like, make a little noise with the paper or blow on the pages. It doesn't matter what you're doing, but what it is all about is getting undivided attention and focus between you and your dog. And then you pull out the food. How often do we get a, do we get a bit of cheese for your dog and go, sit, good, there's your cheese. The cheese is amazing. It should be celebrated. You can spend five minutes giving that piece of cheese to the dog, but that's five minutes of joy and connection and association with you with that amazing feeling, as opposed to tossing it on the floor and then trying to get the next behavior. We find behavior sexy. Dogs find cheese sexy. We should spend <laughs> as much time giving cheese as we do getting sits. So really, it, it's a very sort of mindful way and it's great. Maxwell, you know, Maxwell, 13 years of age, that can't go chasing tennis balls. Rucksack walks will give him so much joy. And you, you're not thinking about anything else when you're doing your, your rucksack walk. It's a, it's a gift, really. <laughs> One of the family. Rachel, anything else? No, I just feel like I need to go back and sort of go back through everything and reinforce the basics, actually. I think um, I think at first I was most concerned about just having a relationship with this puppy. If your dog likes hanging out with you because you're mates, that's 99% of potential problems dealt with. So um, relationship first and foremost. And with training, you know, the idiots like me on YouTube, you do this and you do this and then the dog will do that like it's a 30 second fix no such thing you know of course they do but but it's it's a process you know owning and living and training a dog is always a process it's never an event and and the thing is you know it's always a work in progress and once you get to this standard it's quite nice to want a little bit more and a little bit more and as long as you both enjoy the training that's what it should be forever forever um so tomorrow's always another day Damage limitation, get through it. Have a, if you can end up with having a cuddle watching TV, then that's a good day. All right, I'll see you tomorrow. I love that. Thank you so much. This is Maxwell snoring. Now, if, if 
Your partner snored like this. You wouldn't have it. This is beautiful, isn't it? Just so restful and mindful. There's something about old dogs, isn't there? I love it. Let's just take one more of these. You know what? I'm feeling very sleepy myself now. I really am. And when Maxwell's not asleep, he's got a kind of... Is wisdom the right word, Steve? It's, it's, that's exactly the right word. There's a wisdom and a knowledge and a reassurance that they've been there and done it. And, uh, but, and there's a contentness as well. I love this. Is there a doctor in the house? Yes, there is. Dr. Victoria Hogg, the legendary Vicky the Vet. She loves old dogs, but she doesn't say old dogs. I do not say old dogs. I say golden oldies. There's age is definitely not a disease, so I, uh, I talk in terms of years young and not years old. Mm. A lot of people say there's a kind of, I don't know, wisdom and serenity, and some people prefer, when it comes to rescue, yeah. getting older dogs. Why is that? I think it's such a privilege. You can nurture the care. They've got extreme vulnerability, but a huge wisdom, and they're... They're beautiful. It's a bit like um, the stories from someone in the World War. You can just learn so much from them. So they're, um, yes, privilege is, is the word when it comes to the Golden Oldie. Do you think they do kind of have a, a presence? Definitely. Um, we've got one here, Springs to Mind. He was a retired guide dog um, and for years has served. And as soon as he retired, so naughty, doesn't listen. Well, he does, but he knows. And his presence, I mean, you know when he's in the room. Um, it's, a, it's just a wonderful stage. It's, it, it's, it can be difficult. You do need to care for them. But um, yes, it's a wonderful phase. The golden oldie phase is, is beautiful. I love it when they forget that they're 13. <laughs> Maxwell does this. And occasionally yeah. someone's throwing a ball on the common yeah. or kicking a football, an old punctured football or something, and he forgets. Fantastic. And he starts running for it. But they, they should. I, I um, sadly lost my beloved last year. It's <clears throat> just over 16 years. And up until the day we lost her, she had a toy box. She got her toys out. If you think mentally, we, we talk about them aging one year to roughly seven. But actually, if you think of a 13-year-old child or a 16-year-old child, they're, mentally they're still there. So I believe if your older dog has stopped doing these things that it loves, going, okay, not as fast, not as far but not petting the balls out. But actually, may maybe we can help. Maybe there's attention that needs to be done. But they, they don't worry. They don't um, fear the future. They're just living it. And it's, um, it's so innocent and beautiful to watch. So yes, he should be getting his football out and, and playing all day, every day. It's fantastic. It's when he runs after the ball that's been chucked for some younger dogs and he does it a few times. Then he kind of says, what am I doing? Yes. A, what have I been doing that for? Or, or you see them, they, they can't chase anymore, but they're carrying it. Or there's one on the common here that carries two. And you can tell he's just so proud of himself. Um, and I think that's really important to let them keep doing. Imagine you and I getting to an age and being told you're too old to do that. We would be irate. So, you know, humour them. Maybe, you know, roll it rather than throw it. But how lovely that they, um, they feel they can. And they've got to teach the youngsters a few things as well about, um, about their wisdom. So it's, it's beautiful to watch. 
All he wants to do now, really, unless he gets carried away on the common and he always will slump afterwards and sleep forever. But what he really likes to do, and I think it's so important, is to sniff. So we have sniff walks. Yes, lovely. Like, uh, it was described to me by somebody as, it's like a scholar in the British Library. They're getting so much information, processing so much information. But why at his age does he want to just sniff everything? Um, I think he he gets his uh, pleasures from different ways. Before it would be charging around and talking to everyone. Those faculties are a bit more difficult. His sense of smell is phenomenal, but likely reducing with age. And it's their enjoyment. One of, one of my sort of points I say to clients when you're walking your dog is um, remember who, whose walk it is. If they just want to potter and take it all in, they, what they can smell, what they can taste, well, you, you and I can't even fathom. So if that's how he's now getting his uh, interest and maybe he's smelling something un, you know, not so nice from another dog, but it's telling them all about that dog's journey and its emotions and he's just touching base. He's just taking all the information. So he might get his pleasures in different ways. His sense of smell isn't what it was, but they love it. So don't, they don't need to get around the block. They need to have mental stimulation and that's it. Him sniffing, he's enjoying himself mm. and they become obsessed by every little detail which is, um, yeah, which he should, and he should have time to do that, and we don't want to rush them. But what about the challenges? Sometimes signs of dementia creep in. Yes. That's a really commonly missed thing, I think. We talk about doggy dementia or old dog encephalitis, um, and really, as soon as your dog hits double figures, start looking for it or be prepared. There are things you can, you can talk to your vet about supplements, but the key things are... Um, sometimes vague but by that point you've probably missed a bit of a trick vocalizing more a real classic always on the evenings not sleeping like they used to and quite a metronomic bark they go I remember our old dog as a child you stand in the garden oh, oh, and just bark and we never knew what form we used to think it was funny and she was losing her actually she was probably somewhat struggling um, lack of toilet training and more anxiety we, we as a species get more anxious with age and as do our dogs and actually it's probably the brain aging a little so again think about the older dog what can we help with keeping their weight good managing their pain but don't forget the brain and what can we do to mentally stimulate that brain that walk he's sniffing he is stimulating he's it's sudoku for dogs it's brilliant he's stimulating his brain it's really important he does like sleeping for hours and hours <laughs> yes. and hours that's okay is it yeah really common so uh there's a lot of studies out that suggest even with younger dogs that we possibly overstimulate our dogs uh normal could be considered 16 to 18 hours a day <laughs> My dog definitely checks that in. And with age, sleep increases. So do again encourage that. But think about your pattern. If they're asleep all day, but they're waking you up in the night and you think, oh, you know, how frustrating, he sleeps all day. Maybe actually it's cognitive, it's that doggy Alzheimer's, it's a brain change, but sleep is good. The most important thing is when they're awake, they're their normal, happy, bouncy, intrigued self. Maybe not bouncy, maybe I'll, I'll take that one back, but they're, they're trying. You, you come in the door, they want to welcome you. They know it's seven, they know it's supper time. You know, it's lovely that they, an old dog does not forget. They know those, uh, those and those parts should never change. Mm. I love it when he sits down in his bed and he goes, he sits down and he goes, Glorious stretch. When he's settling, yeah. Yeah, yeah. mine would do that hilarious noises. I think also they're, they're losing their hearing a bit, mm. so they don't quite realize some of the comedy noises they now make. <laughs> 
so again what what a charm to watch that ultimate relief and rest and yeah, he'll be f- feeling tired and but but hopefully very contented as well listeners thoughts on golden oldies james barkley sent me this it's emotional or empathic wisdom isn't it you can see it in the eyes of an older dog a lifetime of understanding your state of mind your mood and emotions matt says older dogs are full of unconditional love yet a reminder of our own mortality their heart is still constantly willing their bodies less so james says the lingering look of thankfulness which cuts right through to your heart because it's us who should be thankful for the peace and serenity they give. Remembering Billy the Westie. And Morag remembers Banjo. We lost her last year, a gentle soul who just knew when you needed her. Thank you for listening. of the family.